You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Welcome to the X-Man Podcast. I am your host, Doc Coyle. Thank you so much for checking out the program. It's been quite a few weeks. I've been traveling uh, for some family business and, you know, things seem to be picking up despite, you know, all the numbers going up with the old, the old COVID, but I guess economy calls, right? Death be damned. But uh, yeah, it's been it's been really interesting. You know, I, I picked up a few podcast interviews while I was on the East Coast, and that was awesome. Some people I've been meaning to get. I'm gonna keep it. I'm gonna keep it a secret for now. If you haven't heard, you know, I did a couple other podcasts. I was on Jamie Josta's show last week, and I was also on one called Riff Hard, uh, hosted by Al Levy from Doff and John Brown from Monuments. Check that out. You know, we're talking a little more guitar stuff and, and music oriented stuff, which kind of weird. I don't talk quite about as much of that stuff as you would think, considering I'm, I'm a guitar player. But de- definitely check that out. Um, you know, it's it's been kind of rough week because you know, if you, you I've I've noticed myself in in kind of lieu of recent events, I've become activated and. And when I say activated, I mean, I'm like clued in to kind of this like stream of thought and motivation surrounding kind of the issues of our day. And, you know, realizing that I have to be more involved, realizing I have to kind of speak my, you know, tell people what the hell is going on, at least from my perspective, whether it's right or wrong, I feel compelled. I can't sleep at night. Cause I'm just, the ideas are just swirling and I see what's go, kind of going on. And, and I, and I, and it's this weird disconnect because if you're like me, someone who wants to kind of get a sense of the pulse of things, right. I'll, you know, I spend a lot of time on Twitter and it, it was ugly this week, really ugly. Things are getting worse. The temperature is getting turned up. I feel kind of validated in my early assessments of what would go on after, you know, the kind of everything gets turned up, you know, with this, uh, 
social justice, um, anti-police brutality, race equity movement. But if it's not handled right, it's going to really activate, speaking of activation, activate people who kind of see things the other way. And we're seeing a lot of that kind of bear bear out th- th- this week. And it was kind of like deflating. You know, a lot of times I feel like I'm like shouting at the wind and it doesn't really matter. But um, just kind of walking through the airport and stuff, you know, you're just talking to people and people are people. And maybe a lot of that tension, although there, although exists, maybe things like social media have a tendency to overly inflate tensions. I don't know. I don't know if that's me being overly optimistic. I don't know if that's me being, I guess, uh, I don't know. Just uh, maybe like that. It doesn't sound like I'm, I'm ignoring things, but I think ultimately we, we do have to get shit done and go places and say hi to people. And so I've been, you know, and me, I tend to exert my own energy, which is definitely of respect and positivity. But I don't think it's quite as insane and chaotic, you know, as, as maybe it's, it's, it's perceived, but anyway, that's the intention I'm putting out there. I'm not shutting up. I'm acting, I'm amplifying it, but also don't want to be a little too one note where it's like, Oh, that's doc. That's the guy who won't stop shutting up about this political thing or this social thing. I kind of don't want to be that guy. So I'm kind of figuring out a way to walk that edge. We'll see how I do. It'll be a lot of stops and starts and, um, I'm sure I'll make some mistakes, but I don't think you can do anything of real value without taking some risk and putting yourself out there. So that's what I'm going to do. And we'll see where it, it bears out. Anyway, we do have a show sponsor this week. It's a band that, a two-man band, instrumental band, from a couple of guys that I actually am friends with going back to back in the day. Uh, it's a guy, Kyle Neely, guitar player. And he worked at Tracks East in New Jersey, where God forbid worked on a bunch of our records. And he worked on a bunch of our records being, uh, an assistant and, uh, to Eric Rachel and the drummer, Paul Christensen actually was God forbid's drum tech for a while. And funny thing, funny story. The first time I ever saw Paul, he was singing with the band. I mean, when I first literally discovered kind of the local, music scene in New Jersey. I saw him playing at some outdoor festival and he got his shirt off, long hair, singing, sounding good. You know, I was like, man, this is, this is a real deal. Now, now he's a drummer. Well, I guess he's been a drummer since probably since back then. But anyway, <laughs> uh, ta- tangents aside, um, the band is called Pathos and Logos. And we're going to play a song right now entitled The Obsidian Expanse. Check it out. Hey, this is Chris Swinney, formerly of the Ataris and currently host of That One Time on Tour, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Have you ever wondered what it's really like on the road? The highs can be euphoric, but the lows can be crushing. Join me every week as I chat with industry pros about what it's like living out their wildest dream and in some cases, their worst nightmare. Past guests of the show include members of NoFX, Pennywise, Bad Religion, and more. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. One Hit Thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know. 
Each week, we're joined by a guest from the world of music or comedy to learn more than you ever thought you would about some songs that you can't forget. And we decide if they brought the one-hit thunder or nothing more than a one-hit blunder. Look, if you listen to the show, you're probably going to laugh, and I guarantee you're going to crush next time the bar has music trivia. Tag Team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new episode each week. So pass the duchy, make sure you're connected, and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods. Hello out there. Yes, hello out there, everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimba the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you!
So that was Pathos and Logos with their track, The Obsidian Expanse. Hope you enjoyed that. That was a nice chunk, a, a nice slab of, of prog instrumental glory. I thought that was excellent. There's some incredible musicianship going on there, and I, I appreciate both those gentlemen reaching out and uh, being a part of the show. If you want to check the band out, probably the best place I would say to go is to uh, their band camp with this pathoslogos.bandcamp.com. Remember, it's P-A-T-H-O-S and logos like a logo, L-O-G-O-S. The song you heard is off an album entitled Glory to the Order, which is available to stream on, you know, if you want to support the band on Bandcamp, that's great. But you can also stream it on Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube. They have a Facebook page. Check that out. And uh, yeah, um, and I'm and I think we're gonna have them back on the show. Um, and you know, I, anytime old friends and you know people that have been involved in my career and my life in the in the music scene and even though you know we go back to jersey it looks like they might have moved to denver or something i don't know these guys are they're in the mountains riffing out growing beards it's anarchy i don't know but anyway <laughs> check out pathos and logos shout out to kyle and uh paul man love those dudes anyway we do have a guest this week very exciting oh also you know before i get ahead of myself you want to sponsor the show Send me a message on social media, DM me, you know, get up in the DMs, or drop me an email at the xmanpodcast at gmail.com. And remember, it's EX. Okay, now now we can get to the introduction part. We have a guest. He's a producer, he's a guitar player, singer, songwriter, you know, uh, amateur comedian, and just all around good dude, Jason Sukoff. He co-produced two, God forbid, albums, Constitution of Treason, as well as our most, the last record we did, Equilibrium. He's worked with Trivium, with Barrier Dead, Death Angel. I mean, the list goes on and on. He's he's, he's so talented, and he's someone, he's, he's just a, a good buddy of mine, and a guy I, I really love so much. And, you know, he, he has such a, this great personality, and you'll kind of hear it, hear it here, where he just, you know... Kind of doesn't want to own own it and be out there. I wish he would be out there. I wish he'd be all over social media, you know, showing showing his personality because it's 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 so awesome. And and if you're any of the bands that, that work with him, it's uh <laughs> he's a force to be reckoned with. But he's he's so talented and uh, been just a part of so many incredible metal albums that I enjoy and you enjoy. And you know, he was just someone that's been on my list forever. And it's just it was just a matter of time. So. I think you're really going to enjoy my conversation with the great, the awesome, the powerful Jason Sukoff. So what's going on, buddy? Oh, man. I am uh, working on a little uh, Necro Pre-Pro. Okay. Uh it's supposed to be a recording job for a cowboy right now, but you know the apocalypse and all. It's funny because I was like, I was like, I was like, you know what? Before I do this, I need to like go through the go through the catalog, like all the records you've done worked on, and uh, and I was and I was just thinking about Job for a Cowboy, where I'm like, it's one of those bands like they just kept getting better and more interesting, and the better they got, the less popular they got, and it's like 
fucked up. Whose fault is that? I hope nobody's. And more importantly, I think kind of, I feel like the last album they did, like, I feel like that was a good one for them just because everyone was in like kind of the bass tone. And I, I, I've enjoyed doing like every one of their albums. It's, uh, they're probably one of my, one of my favorites. And you know, it's always better when you're doing something that you're like 100% into, you know? Yeah. I mean, I get the feeling with you though, you probably get to do that more often than not because it's like almost like like minds seek like minds, you know what I'm saying? Like like people who I think seek out your production style or it's almost it's funny cuz I was thinking about you know just just the early years when you know we first worked for, with you and before we worked with you and kind of like the that kind of like club of internet metal nerds where it's like there was just this segment of people like who who knew about you know atheist and what was that band from Montreal the really sick uh, prog band Martyr Martyr you know it was just like if you were in the know with what was happening in these little scenes you would kind of yeah you had to work you had to work at it you know what I'm saying it was a it was more of a way of life and you really had to go and travel and buy you, you know you had to order the, the the fanzines and shit you know. It wasn't all available, like, immediately, I feel like. At least when I was, well, I guess I'm talking about the 90s. I guess you're talking more, like, a little bit after that, huh? Well, I just meant, well, I'm talk, well, after that was when we were actually getting together and making records and getting to that point. But I guess uh, I... I actually started talking to, like, well, I guess not you, but, but like, when I met, I met Dallas on mp3.com in, like, 98. Yeah. So, so that... And then I, he showed me God forbid, and pretty much, you know, if anyone writes you, you think like immediately the band is, you just assume the band's going to be shot, <laughs> you know? And, but you know what? I'll always check it out just because what if it's not? <laughs> and you guys, you guys weren't. And I, I told them straight up, I'm like, this shit reminds me of like Carcass, but with different vocals. Yeah. It was, it, it was back in the well, if it was 98 it was before that 98 we had the our well demo. that's that's just the last riff i remember from back then yeah. but i don't remember i i can't differentiate demos right now in my head well no the yes but for us it's a big difference because our demo out of misery was still recorded pretty low budget the performances were still kind of mediocre i'm going off that performance at the brass mug that i met you guys at that show Yeah, but then that's even a whole nother era that's like 2001 once we had like two albums out and we're touring and you know that's a whole you're you're, you're mixing it all up i can't dude (laughs) 2000 there was a lot of fucking insane shit that wasn't had nothing to do with music from 98 to 2001 just like just crazy that was crazy life i just want to know what's going on on mp3.com so there was like a forum you basically posted your your like whatever song you had for your band, and there was like a chart, and your shit would would chart and shit, and, but and the different, different. You know what's funny? I'm, I'm, I guess Dallas he probably like posted some uh, God forbid shit, and then kept all the money because I don't even remember us being on MP3. <laughs> he did that show. There was the no slide. money. I don't remember there being money involved. There was money on MP3.com because that's how. Um, what was it? Uh, Lamb of God got their record deals that they were like, 
well, at the time, I think they were still Burn, Burn the Priest, but they had just, they blown up on mp3.com. But I think you could make money. Uh, I don't remember making, but I, I just was stoked about, I was more about seeing if anyone hated it, but I was putting What out, were you, you know posting? Caffernum? Caffernum stuff. Caffernum, yeah. is that the way you pronounce it's, it? Captain Oak, Farnham, whatever, dude. No one ever got it right. Yo, it's not on fucking uh, Spotify, bro. Talk to your yeah, people. It's, well, you know, it's it's on Earache. Earache's, I, I believe it's it's through Earache. And oh, they're it, selling it. And like nothing, I think none of the Earache stuff is on is on Spotify. Yeah, that's 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 probably why. That's some low budget shit, man. What, what, what's up with them, man? Who, who do we talk to? Who need to slap around? I, I don't know, dude. I don't get involved with I don't know anything about labels, dude. I, I just want to be friends with everyone so that everyone's like, hey, you're that fat, crippled Jewish piece of shit that no one likes. Let's do a record with you. Literally no one says that, all right? I don't know, dude. I'm sure someone said That's that. That's your internal dialogue, you know, the self-hating, you know, Jew. thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I have a lot of that. The, but you know what? It's good because you're, you're, if, like, just anything remotely little cool happens, you get really st- like excited <laughs> you know what I'm saying and that's cool because you get more of those than the big ones well I, I I guess that's in the uh the parlance of the streets you know keeping it real you know dude. <laughs> keeping it gutter <laughs> dude keep I it. keep it I, I I keep it in the middle of real and gutter dude um you know as as far as you know just getting a sense of kind of familiarity between people listening to this and you as being a, a producer, songwriter, guitar player, um, you know, a singer, you know, I like how much awareness do you feel currently there is about all the things you do in your personality? Cause I feel like back in the day, like you were on like on our little DVD thing we did and you've been on other, like, you know, the Roadrunner United and things like that. I feel like, Things have ch- like just everything overall has changed uh, as far as just the whole industry and how people record and everything. You know, what I'm saying what people know and don't know about when they're coming in. Uh, I feel like there's probably a lot of people who don't even know I play guitar. And, yeah, and and I honestly don't know what the ratio is, but I'm you know it. It's cool. It's cool to be like, yeah, I could do this if uh, you need it. You know what I'm saying? But it's, uh, I don't know. I just act, I just like acting like an idiot and letting them find out like that, you know? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, to, to me, you're, you're one of these guys that, you know, when you're a band and then you, you know, you've, you don't have a lot of experience working, working with producers. I guess by the time we, well, the first thing we did, we did a demo for Force Fed in like 2002 or three yeah yeah it was like in a night one of those night things it was sick well we just stayed at your house on a day off we were on tour i think with like guar or some shit or some you know some tour hate breed or somebody and uh, i feel like it was 36 crazy fists or maybe that oh the one with uh hate with uh chimera yeah yeah and um it was like oh we just went to his house and like oh we had a day off or something it's like hey you want to track a song or something it was like we did it live i think for the most part yeah, yeah, we it was back in the crank days. <laughs> we cranked we cranked them up. Um but you don't you know, when you don't have a ton of experience with a lot of producers and then you work with you and you're just involved and you you know, you have ideas and you're 
a creative force in and of itself. And and, and for some bands that works and for other bands that, that doesn't really work, they want kind of. Right. Like sometimes a band will come in and like, I can tell immediately that like, this is a band that gets like, like, you know, like the dude is basically the songwriter of the band and you can tell he's a, a great guitarist and he knows just how to kind of like, he can do it all himself. Cause that's basically, I was just like a tech metal dude that, happened to record himself you know what i'm saying and i i don't really even know what the job of a producer was for i mean i feel like it's changed over the years like but i always just assumed that producing came with that engineering like you had to do both and you know what i'm saying i felt like those two things came together and like and i feel like the songwriting came with it's just impossible for me not to say how i feel so at the end of the day I'm not like trying to do one thing or another. It's just naturally how the process goes. Well, if you really think about that era, though, it was an era where it was much harder to fake it or to oh yeah to elevate awesome. um, a kind of artist's ability beyond what they really were. So I think in many ways that was one of the big appeals. Of working with, working with someone like you, because even though I look at God forbid, where we were more or less technically confident, I still think in the back of our minds there was like this thing of, well, we're pretty good, but the best bands are like really good, and so it's like you always wanted like a competitive edge, you know. So if you could get you know work with someone like you, where it's, hey man, we have a cool song that's you know maybe it's ninety percent there, but Maybe Jason will, you know, and I, I even think there's little ideas. Like there was that song, uh, Into the Wasteland, that you played the guitar solo on. There was like, uh, you know, like you helped out with, um, there's just like a tag on a riff. You know, it's like, um, it goes, dan, da, dan, da, dan, dan. just this little thing that you came up with, right? Just just little things like just that. Just probably like a da 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 or something. It wasn't, even, it, was the, it wasn't even that crazy, but it was just like, you know, two weird chords and a little slide thing. Whatever, but just because it was a song that wasn't, um, we basically had a skeleton of it, but it wasn't finished. I think we, like, me and Corey pretty much worked it out in the, in the studio to kind of finish the song. I, you know, I, I, I had a good time working with you guys, and it's always easier for me to work with, like, bands that, it's easier for me to insert myself into that band and just pretend like I'm a band member and whatever I kind of feel what would be in that part. Like, I don't ever want to, like, change. I'm not there to change the world. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because that's really a nightmare if you have to change the world. <laughs> and you, you weren't one of those bands. You, you should, know what I'm you should like, roll up on a band and be like, yo, uh, so what I'm going to do on this album is change the world. You know, it's, <laughs> yeah. It's fucking, it's going to take eight months. <laughs> so, I mean, you know. Nice. Back, in, back in the day, people got so long to record, too. You know what I'm saying? that hell of fucking time and budget now it's like you gotta write fucking record and go yeah uh well i actually i think it i think in some ways it's gone the other way because so many people do things on their own that you can kind of take more time when you don't have that hey we can only afford 20 days in the studio or 10 days in the studio i think things people work on their own though you know maybe the actual uh, calendar time might be a little shorter, but if you look at all the hours they put in, and because you can just keep working on your own at your own pace, right? I don't know. Well, some some 
some things you can. Like, you know, a lot of, like when I do Death Angel, like Rob will be working on the solos in a different room while while I'm tracking Mark's vocals. Yeah. So definitely like things things like that are cool because Rob, you know, Rob knows how to operate Pro Tools and stuff, so he can sit in there and track himself and it works out good. So yeah. That's, no. Uh, no, that's that's awesome. I remember having, you know, it's 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 weird. In in some ways, I I miss that urgency. In some ways, I don't because now I pretty much like to record all my solos at home. So so I can yeah, do- it's it's easier to record your own solos. I feel like uh, unless unless you're just one of those sick dudes that you can easily, it, you know what I'm saying? There's there's very and there's a lot of guitarists, but there's only like there's only like five or six dudes that are really the dudes <laughs> or gals. I mean, so like, there's probably more now that i think about it but yeah. like there's so many like dudes that are sick now but but there's like five or six dudes that are just like make me never want to touch a guitar again i don't even want to play i don't even want to fucking touch guitar when i see these guys play dude <laughs> yeah i mean uh i think the 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 marketplace of skill has definitely expanded um but i think a lot of that a big part of that has to do with just the the tools and you know back in the day i think when if you wanted to learn a technique or you know you there was it was you had to kind of go to a certain space right you had to get the john petrucci dvd or you know or videotape at the at the time yeah you, choose your favorite dude and just watch all his shit and go for it well yeah i the, I, I never could do that stuff i i suck at lessons or I can only figure stuff out by ear if if it's possible, which well, isn't always. Let's talk about that real quick because, you know, especially when when we met, you were in you know our early twenties or, or late teens or something something like that, and we get in a room with you when you and and from our position we just you know couldn't believe how incredible you were as a guitar player. Then you hear, um, you know, some of the you know the crotch duster stuff and hear like all the crazy things you can do with your voice and just. Also, like that. How did you develop these, uh, you know, skills from our vantage point? Were just very advanced, you know. Even though we were basically similar ages, you know, so did you just start really young. Yeah, I, you know, I, I'd always been doing stuff since I was about like eight years old. I started playing guitar, and uh, we had like a little studio in the basement. You know, my my dad built a little, just like a place to play drums and like a like a very small control room, very much like a. I would say like a college radio station, you know what I'm saying? Like one of, more of like a guitar booth. So was your, your father was a producer? No, he's a, he's a, he cuts off feet. He cuts off feet. Oh, <laughs> you know, for fun on Thursdays. Who needs feet? No, he's, he specializes in diabetes, diabetic foot surgeon. So, That's the end. so how does that equal? You have a studio in your house? <laughs> Because he played, he played the drums. Okay. And he's 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 in a band now. He 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 comes down here and plays with a bunch of other like doctor guys and and fucking they got a, a band and they do covers. They have a great time. So. That that's awesome. But your your brother is a drummer and, and he started really really young. Yeah, he's he's uh he's still incredible. I don't know if he plays as much anymore, but. He's definitely just as he was always my favorite drummer to jam with. So, so did so did your brother start playing? You know the same kind of because he's younger than you. 
Yeah, but now that we're older, it doesn't really seem like he's that much younger. He was born in 83, and I was born in, in 80, so. Yeah, well, I mean, it's still for, I mean, you're still older, but if you're starting at eight, what age is he starting playing drums? That or younger. He was, he's he's one of those kids, man, that, that if he kept going, he'd be like, definitely like a, like a Tony Royster or uh, an Eric Moore for sure. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He'd be fucking, he would definitely be super. He would have that type of fucking, he had that type of, if he kept going and he, I still think he was close to something like that. He was very, you know, he was very Reinhardt like oriented because he loved, he loved death. And, you know, for someone that age, he was, you know, way into like human and way into individual, you know, that, that was Gene. Gene was sick too on that album. Uh, he was into Cynic and, and then I don't know what the hell else he got into. We, we listened to some pretty fucking obscure death metal bands back in the day. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I think that, but that kind of speaks to it. So you guys were getting into that stuff at a really young age. So you were kind of pushing your ability at a, you know, at a, you know, in a, at, a, at a time where you were just ahead of the curve. So it's, it's kind of funny thinking about it because it kind of reminds me of my brother and myself, except we yeah. start, except we started later, you know, yeah. we didn't pick, pick, start picking up the instruments until, you know, we were 12, 13, 14, you know, right. and, but the stuff we were, you know, it started out with the Metallicas and the Guns N' Roses, but very shortly it was Slayer and Sepultura and Pantera and Morbid Angel. And then at the gate, you know, it kind of, developed into that you know pretty pretty quickly and even against our peers by the time we started getting out in the world when we were 16 17 we were trying to play carcass and at the gates and then the rest of the and then the rest of the scene was like playing like beat down hardcore or whatever you know so yes i I do know so you you had that even you had like a five-year advantage on us almost you know yeah but you know what we met up at the same time at the same exact period where we didn't want to sound like that. We wanted to be the more carcassy band, yeah. <laughs> which was awesome because I, I left Connecticut because I, I couldn't deal with the amount of hardcore that was up there. I, I've never, I mean, I love bury your dead now. And I know I'm biased because we, you know, me and Mark did that album, uh, beauty and the breakdown, but like, even though like I, I'm a, like a, you know, a tech guy back from back in the day that's all i really cared about but as you know as something fun to listen to i feel like bury your dead got it you know what i'm saying well i mean that record you know whatever you applied <laughs> and i think this is the reason why but band, it, it was more them than us dude like, i understand that but it's it, listen you can be you can have the prettiest model in the world but if you don't have a great photographer to put her put that model in the right light and the right stylist put them in the right clothes and the right makeup person and hair person who to contour everything properly you know it's it's not going to matter that they have all the tools on underneath you know so i mean yeah it's gonna it's gonna help yeah no no no. i what what i'm what what i'm saying is that is if you have a a set of a seven band that you can take to a ten Right, but if you take that seven band to a, just a producer, it's going to bring him to an eight. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, like that. The reason why that record was so um, pivotal at the time is that no one had ever recorded 
a band that sounded like that in that way. They, you know, a band that sounded like that never had production like that. Uh, the way we never had dance the rock drums that fast. Like Castillo was just fucking a monster, dude. Yeah, he did all those. He did all those drums in a night, and yeah. like they weren't fucking beat detective or nothing, dude. Yeah. They, fucking just sick. Yeah, no, no. I'm not. I'm listen. I'm not taking anything away from the band. I'm. I'm not. I'm not talking. I'm less talking less about performance and more about tonality. If that makes right, sense. Right. Right. But like a lot of that tone comes from the band, dude. Like, it. Put it this way. I can't get a band that doesn't play that good to ever sound like that, no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're not. You're not. And, I, and it's, now it feels like I'm like. Dissing the band, which I don't want to, it to no, come off no, that way. No, 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 not. I know, I know what you're saying, but it goes, it goes the other way too. Like, obviously, you know, you can get a band that that doesn't have the musicianship level that those guys did in the way that they played. Like, just the way that Slim's fucking right hand is just, just out of control. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like everything about that band was just a a special way that they fucking came together that's all yeah you know and well, some bands you know you gotta help a little bit and some bands you don't and when you don't have to help them in that way you can spend more time not having to worry about that other stuff not worry but you know you, you can only fucking put so much into each thing in the amount of time you know yeah well yeah it's the point i'm, I'm making with that is just that um that record, I think, obviously made a big impact for that band and, and you know, helped their career go from one level to the next level. But I think it also put uh, your name on a, on a lot of people's radar. Um, you know, like, you know, I know for, for a fact, the Devil Driver dudes, the reason why they said they wanted to work with you was because of that record. Well, I, I, yeah, I know. I remember. I remember does uh, that a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and so so... To me, it does have something to do with the presentation. Even like I said, even Matt's vocals, you know, just the way it, it were because you know hardcore bands were recorded one way, and when I heard that, I was like, oh, he almost sounds more like like Corey Taylor from Slipknot than he does some kind of just hardcore scene Barker. You know, um, there was a there was a there was something uh, easy to listen to about it, the way it was captured. You know, I then, know. I just, I really, he had a sick voice and uh, I kind of used uh, Destroy, Race, and Improve kind of as my idea when recording that. Because yeah. it, it was less pitchy than that. You know what I'm saying? Like there was less kind of singing stuff. But on that album, there was like, they just did so many cool like panning things with his vocals and they made it fun to listen to his vocals. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I love, I love his vocals on that album. That's like, that's another one of those albums that, is one of the albums and the top albums of life. <laughs> oh, listen, man, I'm 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 right there with you. I probably like none, like a little bit more than Erase, Destroy, Race, Improve, but it's right there. Not none, yeah, yeah, same, same. It's uh, definitely listen to both the same amount. I think. Wait, yeah. wait, that's the that's the five song, right? Uh, I think it's only four songs. Perfect. I, I added a song in my head. Maybe it's five, but I want to say it's four. No, I think it's four. Either way, it's it's like those are just you can hear the album in your head. You can hear the production. You can hear everything. You can hear that guitar tone, man. You know what I'm saying? There's there's some live footage of uh, Masuga playing a festival 
I think it might be in Sweden or somewhere, you know, somewhere in the, in Scandinavia. And, uh, there's actually this footage, there's that footage and there's this footage of them playing Dynamo Festival around the same time. And they sound exactly like the album live. And the one show, it's funny, the one show, they're, the one little festival they're playing, like people are just not, they're just standing there. There's like a couple of people like headbanging, but they're sounding like the greatest band you've ever heard in your life. And no, oh, and his, people are like, yeah, it's pretty cool. You know, <laughs> I remember the first year that they played in America, I went to go because they played Milwaukee Metal Fest. Mm-hmm. And then I saw them at Worcester. What was it? The, the, the Palladium, like yeah. right when it opened. It was them and Cannibal. I think that was, I want to say it was 99. Yeah, I was at the, I went to the no, Philly No, no, 98. Yeah, I went and to the I Philly saw, show. Uh, I didn't go to the Philly show. No, I went oh, to the Philly oh, show. No, no, right, 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 yeah. And then I saw him when I moved to Florida with Slayer. I think I was in two, I think that was in 99, that House of Blues. That was the first show I saw at House of Blues down here. First time you saw House of Blues what? Uh, the Slayer Mashuga show. Damn, I can't believe they played House of Blues. That's crazy. At least I think they did. Now I'm having to rethink if that... It wasn't Hard Rock. I don't think Hard Rock was built yet. I think well, the first thing I saw at Hard Rock was Chappelle. <laughs> That's fucking good. It was sick, dude. So I, one thing I want to kind of talk to you about is kind of even even be, be, before all this, so you kind of developed this, uh, you know eccentric uh, incredible guitar playing what about the vocal stuff like is that because i feel like some of that just has to be natural i mean i listened to a lot of glam metal growing up and that was fun and i don't know i just i, I don't know why you know what i actually went to a lot of broadway shows too as a kid like my <laughs> parents would take me to new york and saw like phantom a bunch of times and i don't know singing seemed fun i can't hit the falsetto as good anymore because i'm 40 now but you know, whatever. But where, where, like, where would you? Did you take voice lessons? Did no, you, no, I, I, I don't. Where would you sing? I, where would you practice? In fact, in fact, I was told that anytime they're like that, I do vibrato. I'm doing it wrong because I move my head. So I guess I am doing it wrong. And you know, whatever, go to hell. <laughs> no, but where, where would you practice? I never practice. You never practice. You just be in the studio and also I'm gonna lay something down without ever. I would always do it for a joke. I feel like anything I did as a joke came out better than anything I ever fucking probably tried real hard at. <laughs> that's, I think that's an interesting way to kind of put it. It's like... Uh, because you're having fun and you're not even caring about any of the technical shit. And you're not fucking sitting there being like, oh shit, is my DI clipping? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm talking about me, dude. I, I fucking Jake over some fucking DIs. <laughs> No, I think that's that's actually super interesting because, you know, you know, and I'm gonna play. I'm probably gonna play one song of each of a Kafarnum song and a Crotch Duster song because uh, I think they're kind of uniquely, you know, I, I want to call them influential, but in a way, it's like I don't. It's it's difficult to understand how many people actually got to hear it or were. I, I would say this. Here's a better way to say it than influential. They were ahead of their time, in my opinion. You know, like I listen to the the Kafarnum record and it's like, oh, this is what, you know, a job for a cowboy or something to me would kind of, you know, it, it was somewhere in that realm or even a band like Doth, like to me almost, it has a lot of the, that kind of same style. 
you know, that would right. get popular, you know, years later. And then Crotch Duster, I think, I'm still annoyed that you didn't just keep putting out those. I think that would be huge by now if you just kept doing it and made, like, you know, animated like, videos and just... But it was so much easier to do back then, though, dude, because there was only, like, seven metal bands to make fun of. And, like, it was like, okay, everyone's going to know at least two of those. If I do it, that listens to metal, you know? I mean, maybe, maybe there was more, but now it's just, like... Oh, oh, I'm sorry. There's too many bands to make fun of. Here's the thing: the bands are way bigger. There's, dude, you could, you could have taken that in so many directions. Um, I kind of gotta like the music to make fun of it. (laughs) I get that. I get that. You know, there's if I'm making fun of it, there's a little bit of, there's either a little bit of love or a lot of fucking hate. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Yeah, I've I've heard that um, Norm Macdonald was saying that. He he thinks uh, Alec Baldwin's Donald Trump is a bad impersonation because you can tell he doesn't respect him. He doesn't like him, so that it comes. So it's like it's that it, he feels like it, it lacks something that you need to have some kind of humanity and kind of empathy for the for the person when you're doing the the impression. Yeah, it, it's. I feel like it's, it's a form. It should be a form of flattery, not insult. Yeah. <laughs> Like Mark Lewis, what the fuck? I don't fucking get whatever, man. Fuck, <laughs> fucking tone's out of control. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's that 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 fucking voice will live on forever after we're all dead. <laughs> probably, you're probably. I hope. You're, That's you're, my hope. You're but probably I, right I, about that. Um, maybe two people. <laughs> so, you know, one 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 thing we 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 kind of have to talk about is um, so you're. Doing all this this kind of music on your own, and then when you moved to Florida, now was it just because you were sick of? Uh... No, I went to Full Sail. You went to Full Sail, okay. But I also dropped out. Didn't I think? Didn't Mark go to Full Sail too? And he was telling how, how it Mark sucked. Did, Mark went to Full Sail. Ron went to Full Sail. Both of them graduated. Yeah. <laughs> Why did you drop out? Because I fucking hated it. You hated it. What did you hate about? I don't it? like. I don't like school. I, I don't like schools, and I don't like recording schools. I think they're fucking. I just think all recording schools in general are not really. Just one of those things you can't really teach people, and yeah. if you can, like, it's not because, uh, you went to recording school. Okay. You know, I feel like, it's like singing, almost. You can either under either know what you're listening to or you don't. And you can either sing or you can't. Oh, you know, I think that's I think that's completely wrong with singing. I, I've seen people, you know, go from being terrible. Even myself, I feel like I, you know, I could sing, quote unquote. But yeah, um, but I don't think you're going to teach somebody not to be tone deaf. No, but you can improve it. Like like my pitch has gotten better and better and better as I've gotten older and older. Yeah, but you're not. You weren't like you were never bad at it in the first place. Yeah, I know. I know what you mean. I definitely. I'm just saying you can either sing or you can't. Like that. That's it. You know, and like maybe some guitarists are only to get some good, and some guitarists are just going to keep getting better. I feel like everyone's got some sort of peak or something. You know, Mm -hmm. or maybe I'm wrong, dude. I feel it's all about. You know, it's like depends on how much motivation you have to get better. Yeah. Well, I I think that 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 is the key because I've seen so many people. Um, you know, friends of mine, you know, like uh, like Pat from Fit for an Autopsy, who, you know, back in the day was a pretty rudimentary guitar player, and he, and he just 
worked at it and worked at it and took lessons and got better and better. Or I see someone like Rob Flynn from Machine Head who was never bad. He was always good, but he just kept, he wanted to keep getting better and he pushed, you know, his, you know, he, same thing, took classical guitar lessons and pushed his lead playing. And, you know, they become a, a very technical band when they were, their earlier stuff was a little more, you know, straightforward. So um, I've definitely seen that, at least from a guitar standpoint, that people can definitely get better if they're committed yeah. to it. I, you know, I think obviously there's exceptions to every rule, but I think you're probably right with guitar. But I'm still going to stick to if you're if you're tone deaf, that's it. Yeah, no, but, but they say some they say some of that is genetic though. You, like you can actually like be born. That's fine. Basically, I'm genetic. Fucking, you know, sometimes shit that is what it is has to be what it is. <laughs> okay, we're gonna put that on a plaque. <laughs> that's right, dude. Fucking shit that what it is gonna be what it be at in the on the thing. <laughs> Come on, man! I don't know anything about words. Come on, man! We came here for the uh, the the Yoda like wisdom, okay, buddy? <laughs> I sold I sold all my wisdom. Sold it all. No, and, I I I don't have any wisdom, dude. I it's all luck and and intuition. Yeah. Well, I, I and failure. And failure. Let's talk about yeah. some failure. Okay, you failed at a uh, full sale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, well, no, I, I can't deal with like I, I I suck at reading. Like I can't read. Like I can read, obviously, but like I add words, I subtract words. That you know, I just put shit that's not there. Just a bad reader. Yeah. No matter what, and I'm just I'm not good with reading comprehension and shit like that. And I just suck at fucking school, dude. I'm not a school. I'm not an academically type person i just got to do the thing and be shown so you left the school and you decided to stay in florida uh i dropped out and i got a a good amount of my money back because i didn't stay the whole time i you know what i'm saying and i put that into the the studio here and you know over the year i've fucking renovated my house like eight hundred and thirty-seven thousand times and i i've got basically you know like this room now that i watch tv and like this is this is the old control room here. That's where one of the speakers went. You got the panels on the ceiling still, you know, and fucking my living room is the main control room now. And that other room down there we built as just the drum room. So, you know, it's, I've constantly been building control rooms over the years because I'm just a maniac and get bored. But did you did you start build start building the studio because it was like, I'm going to become a producer because you wanted to work on your own projects? I mean, initially, I had that, like, when I was in Connecticut, uh, I, I had I had one in my basement for years. Like, I was recording bands from, like, 14 to 18 years old. I'd recorded bands in my basement. Um, and I, I've always, I've decided I wanted to do that professionally. And I wanted to, I wanted to get the Farnham sign and do, it all, do all that. But that became less important to me and as I realized I won't have time for that. Because I'm the type of dude that takes four years to write an album like that, you know? No, I didn't know what you just told me. <laughs> Now you know, dude. Um, so one of the kind of I don't want to say kind of I think I think directly I think the you know and you can tell me whether you agree with this or not is that the the band that really helped you get your your launch into the broader metal scene was was Trivium. Is that you think that's right or wrong? Absolutely. Yeah. So I mean, even even with with God forbid, because even though. You were on our radar, and you were, you know we were kind of internet buddies and stuff. You know you were the one that sent us uh, that t- 
told us about Trivium because you sent us some of the yeah. songs. I, you might have sent us the whole album of Embers to Inferno. I think, I, I think I sent you the one before that. Even maybe the yeah. demo. No, uh, I definitely. You guys definitely helped me send it around for sure. Yeah, but I but I remember just being like, like okay, this uh, this uh producer guy is pretty pretty fucking good, you know. Um, and you know, and and you had that that record, which I don't know. I, I don't I don't remember it getting a, that much kind of publicity, you know, the Embers to Inferno before like the whole the whole Roadrunner thing, but it was but it was really it was, Life, it was on Life Force I think yeah, which was like that Belgian Belgian label right? Maybe I it was yeah I think it was over there. <laughs> I could be wrong, dude. I I don't have my label. Your, your label chart. skills. Not My all. label skills are shot, dude. I'm a shot dude. Let's realize this <laughs> all over the place. So when you were first started working with Trivium, um, you know, your kind of hands-on creative approach, you know, um, were you very, very involved on that side of things with them? You know, partially because they were so young? I mean, I think for the first two, for the demo, it was pretty much more of a like any type of involvement was really more kind of like maybe a little bit vocally with Matt. Mm-hmm. And then on Ember, maybe kind of the same thing. And maybe like, like, you know, like a little riff tail here and there. The most, I would say that the most that I was involved was on uh, Ascendancy. Yeah. And then, uh, but even, even then, like, you know, I, I would say that most of their album was there. You know, I, I wrote a couple of choruses. Um, maybe it was, yeah, I wrote a couple of choruses, I, you know, a good, you know, dying in your arms, a good amount of that, and fucking, uh, I can't remember, but most, dude, most of their album was there, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I just, I helped with a lot of tales and stuff, a lot of, you know, vo- vocals and stuff, but, you know, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have been what it was without them being them, you know what I'm saying? Well, I mean, me, you know, having, having gotten a chance to work with you, and, you know, one of, you know, one of the main reasons why we wanted to work with you was because of vocals, because we always, God forbid, we always felt that, you know, writing hooks and developing melodies was just something we were new at, you know, because the band, you know, in the early years, just did we didn't have vocal melody at all, you know. So it was something where, you know, Dallas on the previous record, Gone Forever, pretty much came up, you know, wrote most of the stuff on his own when it came to the to the melodies. And it was good. It wasn't, you know, it definitely wasn't wasn't bad. But it was like, okay, how can we take this to the next level? And with that record, Constitution of Treason, we wrote the record really quickly. So we were still writing in the studio. You know, we were kind of, you know, as you know, as we were going. So so any help we could we could I feel get. Like there's only a couple songs that you needed to finish or something. Um, I mean, for the most part, you're, you're probably right, but, um, it's always, but that's, I feel like that's the deal with a lot of bands. They'll be like, all right, there's just two songs we need to finish. That's like literally a lot of bands. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's a normal thing. Yeah. I mean, um, but sometimes not though, you know? Yeah. But what I'm saying is so, but getting to work with you in that capacity and, and like, oh, you're like, oh, hold on, let's try something like this. Like now I know your tendencies like melodically and kind of rhythmically so when i listen to a band that you work with and i hear a certain thing i'm like oh that's that's the jason move right there because i i know your your style of just uh sorry i i didn't mean to i didn't mean to do the thing 
<laughs> no, man, it's 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 interesting, you know, because you know, I mean, to me, in my, in my from where I'm coming from, that is because producing means a lot of different things to different people, you know, right. um, and to me, that's you know. That's kind of what I feel like I'm paying a producer for is to take, like I said, take some, take a seven or eight song to a ten. Um, you know, if I'm if we're struggling with a part or a melody, you know, the you know I remember you know we were doing Equilibrium even, like I you know I wrote vocal lines you know and and you made every change you made was better, you know, um, you know. I that. Thank you. Yeah, and uh, and it's just because you're just in, you're so in your head about something, and you're, you know, but but that's what it is, and that's why you have to me. That's why you're paying that person is to offer their opinion, you know, because it's it's rare when I'm I work on something, and I'm like, this is exactly perfect and it's exactly flawless. I never want to change anything because that's what we call that. We call that demoitis, right? Where you're yeah, and even but even so, even after I do something, I'm sure you remember like. We'd sit there and try something for like fucking forty five minutes, and then I'd be like, "I fucking hate this." Yeah, let's let's fucking get rid of it. It's stupid. Yeah, I mean, but sometimes it's it's just like you gotta try it. You know yeah. what I'm saying? I, uh, on the last Carnifex, I had this idea. I, I we bought, I bought a whammy pedal for it. Not that I was gonna ever fucking step on the thing, but fucking we bought a whammy pedal, and and because I just heard in my head this part for this like one part because the tune so low. And we were going to go fuck it. I don't remember what it was right now, but we were going to do it. And then I went to go fucking do it. And I'm like, this isn't coming out at all. Like, <laughs> it hurt my head. So fuck this whole part. You know what I'm saying? So sometimes I'm like a failure. Not sometimes. I'll, dude, all the times I'm a failure. Okay? What are you talking about? Stop saying dude, these things. Okay. I promise I will. That's at least it. for a couple of days. You Listen, if you were a failure, you would not be talking to me right now and have it be on this show. I don't have failures on this show, son, you son of a bitch. Whoa, dude! Dude, we've known each other for twenty years. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, you know we're uh, we're old and shot. You know, old and shot is twenty years a generation, or is that ten years? Um, I want to say it's probably closer to ten years, but I, you know, I no, a de- I think a decade's ten years, and then a generation's twenty years. Maybe you're maybe you're correct, but um, I could be absolutely wrong. Someone right now is like, "You're a fucking idiot, dude." Go. Well, no, no, it's it's probably closer to it's probably somewhere in between, or but twenty years sounds about right because it's like so if you have like the baby boomers, right, and then the baby yeah. boomers gave birth to the Gen Xers, right, and, and then the, the Gen Xers gave birth to the millennials, even though it's weird because I'm basically still considered we're still considered millennials, right? I'm thirty nine. I'm like right at the start of the millennials. Dude, come on. Um, but our parents, my parents were baby boomers. Right. My parents as well. Yeah. They were both they were both born in 54. But then now it's Gen Z. So I guess technically if I had a kid at 20, you know, right. they, they'd be, you know, 19. So they'd be Gen I Z. I, I so 20 years sounds about right. I think about that a lot. Like, because I know my parents had me when they were 26. And I'm like fucking 40 now. I'm like. My kid would have been fucking 14. And it's like, fuck, I'm shot as shit, dude. I'm just this dude fucking lives with his roommate, records bands, fucking watches fucking TV and smokes hell of fucking rosin. <laughs> you're not, you're unsatisfied with your station in life? I love my life. All right. Well, there you go. 
I'm a happy dude. You know what I'm saying? I really, I really enjoy being alive. For now. For now. For the moment. Uh, yeah, just I, I don't want to fucking get off the phone and all of a sudden I get a horrible phone call or something. I, I'm just saying, for now, I'm a, I'm a happy dude. Well, I think that's how happiness works. It's temporary. It's a, uh, you know, it's a fucking roller coaster. Exactly. Exactly. We should not expect to be, quote unquote, happy all the time. You know, it's a. Uh... No, but we definitely shouldn't try to not be happy on purpose. Yes, well, that 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 I concur. I know a lot. Of, yeah, I feel like I know people that 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 just happens. You know, <laughs> what just happens? They're just fucking not happy. <laughs> How much weed you smoke, man? What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> I'm just talking about people I know that fucking they, they just no matter what they fucking do, they're not happy. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, I feel like I, you know, in, in some Actually, ways, I really don't know anyone like that anymore. Yeah. But I've definitely, I feel like I've definitely, you know what I'm saying? You've known people like that. Yeah. You know, um, I, I guess what I was, was going to say is I, I get a little uh, trepidatious about speaking, you know, in generalities, you know, because I think sometimes you're dealing with some people who just are clinically depressed. And so yeah. their, their unhappiness is tied to a chemical imbalance. You know, some people are just generally negative people who only count their losses and don't count their wins. Um, you know, I think, yeah, you know, so, I, so I, I don't, yeah, I don't I feel like speaking. I, that's, it's just, it's a very broad thing to say for me personally. Yeah. No, I, I get, I, I totally bad. And I get the chemical imbalance thing. Cause I, I'm an anxious dude. I, without my medication, I'm anxious all the time, no matter what. Yeah. And fucking, you don't even want to be around me, you know? So I back, I think anyone who feels like that should go take care of it and they shouldn't feel ashamed and they shouldn't feel like they're not a strong person because they do that. I feel like going to take care of that is the fucking best thing you could ever do because it makes your life like a thousand times better, you know? And it's not your fault that your brain chemistry is like that. It just fucking is. You're not going to magically will it away, you know? Yeah, I think some people, they just... uh I don't know if it's like an ego thing. Like it, 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 it's not, they just, I feel like they feel like if they do that, then they're letting a pill control their lives. And it's like you're well, well right now you're letting a, a fucked up chemical control your life that you refuse to believe is there. Just well, take, I think they, they tend to think that chemical is them. Yeah, that's fine, but you it know? ain't, you know, and I, and I, and you know, it's like, well, if I do, do this and I'm not me and, you know, it's to me, it's all about functionality. Like, what is it if you with no help? What do you like? What is what is not working for you? You know, yeah. And and if you're and if it's and if it's affecting your life so much where it's like can't keep a job, can't keep a relationship, um, I'm ended up, you know, in bar fight or whatever. Just who knows what, what kind of I'm crashing my car whatever. If it's if your life is unmanageable. And you're unwilling to try things to make it manageable, then ultimately it's a, it's on you. You know, you have to you have to be, you know, be humble enough to say, I can't deal with this. But it, that's why I said it's an ego thing because it's like it's the I got this, I'm okay. It's the right. world that's crazy. You know what I'm saying? It's it's a, it's a different type. I feel like there's so many different types of egos, but it's a less threatening ego. Well, Even though it's it's still a bad ego. Well, no, it's insecurity. Like it's yeah. like here's why I'm saying it's ego. It's that 
it takes a strong person to say, I need help. Do you know yeah, what I'm saying? Ab- yes, it absolutely. Takes, you know, but it's a weak person who says, I'm fine. I'm good. But that's, you know what I'm saying? You don't want to, you know, but I think if you present a person with telling them that they're, of course, you know, I have before, but it's like, you need to let them know that, you know, that, I don't know, it's hard to tell someone they're being weak because. No, get, you can't put it that weak. way. You, I'm not, say, I'm not saying that's an effective way to sell maybe for them to get, get help and say, hey, you're weak. No, you have to, like, trick them because it, that's a defense mechanism. The yeah. the I'm okay is a defense mechanism. Um, it's a survival tactic. Um, it's a little reverse know. psychology life. What's that? Like reverse psychology life. Well, yeah, little, if, you're, if you're trying to, you know, I don't uh, wanna, persuade. I, I don't want tr- to trick anyone. I I rather, uh, what's the word? I guess trick is the right word. No, it's not. It's persuasion is the is the word. Uh, yeah, uh, I would say a caring, full persuasion, if that's the word. Yeah, listen, I'm not I'm not great at that either because I prefer to be straight up with people, and um, but unfortunately, being straight up is not the most persuasive technique. No, and it gets people mad a lot. Yeah, yeah, it does. You people know. are not into the truth. Well, the truth is ugly, often. Hey guys, Doc cutting in real quick just to let you know there's a little break here because Jason and I ended up splitting the interview in kind of two two halves. We did it at two different times. And I wanted to play a track from Crotch Duster who comes up a, a lot just because I feel like if you guys don't hear it, you don't... <laughs> You don't have any idea what I'm talking about, but it's from an album called Big Fat Box of Shit. (laughs) And this track has a little, I'm about to play, has a little cameo by Richard Christie, which is great. And there's a, it's kind of a, there's an ode to a a movie theme that I don't know if you'll know. It's it's pretty amazing. But when you hear it, you'll kind of know what I mean. And then after that, we'll get back the conversation but this one's called stars ingenious cooter the live version hello dusseldorf hi and welcome to my beer fest hi i'm richard christie and i'd like to welcome you all to the uh, 30th and hey shut up i'm trying to talk okay what i was saying is hi i'm richard christie and i'd like to welcome to you uh, you to my 30th annual uh, Richard Christie Dusseldorfian Beer Festival here in Dusseldorf, Germany. Hope you're drinking plenty of beer and uh, having a good old time out there. I can see that a lot of you are. And uh, so have fun and let's rock and roll like crazy party animals. So please welcome Crotch Duster. This is called Stars Ingenious Cooter!
last left off we were kind of um we had this tangent about kind of like depression and maybe taking medication and we kind of went on this thing about you know uh how long we've known each other and you're like 20 maybe this is like the weed talking you're like man 20 years man i could have had a kid man i could have had four kids dude i mean sick. it's you know it's not that hard to have children you know it's pretty i know that's what i keep telling everyone like have you ever watched maury you know what i'm saying apparently anyone can have a children and if you yeah, have, uh, and if you have a cho- uh, you know, if you don't have a children on the show, then you're a winner. You win. I know, <laughs> dude. You win. It's sick. <laughs> the happiest motherfucker you've ever seen, <laughs> dude. Those those clips are are absolutely epic. But um, kind of what I wanted to do is just you know, because we were we were just, I felt I wanted to just wrap, wrap up kind of just the the career arc and ask you about a few more more projects. One of the projects I wanted to ask you about was. Uh, how the whole charred walls of the damned project kind of came together. That was, I feel like obviously it was Richard, but you know, Richard basically talk about your, your relationship with Richard Christie. Cause probably a lot of people don't know Richard. Basically when I moved to Florida in 98, uh, I, I came here to go to full sale and then, uh, you know, you learn kind of the area a little bit and what shows are going on and, Brass Mug was the place in Tampa, you know, so I drove over to Tampa to see the band that Richard was in uh, called Burning Inside. And, uh, you know, he was in Death, so no matter what, I had to go see Burning Inside because Death was my favorite band ever, and there was nothing that was going to stop me from annoying the shit out of Richard or whatever I had to do to talk to him. And fucking, I, after that show, I literally made him sit outside and listen to my demo. I was fucking Punisher. Cripple Punisher, dude. To the worst type. <laughs> fucking horrible dude but i i you know what i'm saying like i guess sometimes it takes that type of person like if they you know as long as you really believe in your stuff you know sometimes sometimes the stuff isn't good you know what i'm saying but sometimes it is so you gotta kind of you talk about the catherine stuff. stuff i gave him cat i yeah i gave him catherine stuff but i'm just saying generally sometimes sometimes the punishers are right <laughs> not and i'm not saying me i'm saying other people like everyone, you know, you know what I'm saying. You've listened to demos, and sometimes they're horrible. And but some, every once in a while, you're like, "Oh shit, this is sick." Yeah, but so, so, sometimes I think the, you know, sometimes a, a certain person's persistence, like eventually, w- like wins out. Like at first, they might like you might not be that good. I remember not being that good, but being so persistent that not that good got pretty good, and then pretty good got okay, then okay got good, and eventually the the kind of the product eventually met up with that work ethic you know just just that ability to go around and hustle your stuff to people is its own kind of skill i think yeah i yeah totally i you know i just wanted back then it was like i just wanted to get signed i didn't know why <laughs> we always get signed quote unquote you know that was uh because was i think no because i think back in the day before you you could just think about it now you could just make a record in your bedroom and it's on Spotify and Apple Music and YouTube five minutes later, right? Uh, yeah. Back in the day, you know, just like it was an accomplishment just to get your record in a store where someone right? could buy it. That do you remember? Do you remember disc makers? Uh, yes, I probably I, used this, this. We used disc makers uh, because we we got back the rights to our first album 
reject the sickness and we ended up i think printing like two two thousand copies through yeah, we, disc we used them we used them on the first kafarnum thing we did in 97 i just remember it was a big they mastered it i remember and then i remember the first thing we did the first guy that sound like complete shit he's like maybe you should do it again i like literally re-recorded the whole album and Jesus. It, you know but that, you know whatever dude it was a different time it was fun fun stuff like you know being jammed with my brother and stuff you know so, but you you met Richard Christie and you were punishing him, but somehow he was like, "Yeah, you're cool." Hey, what's going on? Well, he just happened to live like literally on like less than like a minute from me, where I lived, like adjacent to Full Sail. He lived like a minute from Full Sail, and I lived like a minute from Full Sail, like right there. And we, you know, both. I think what we we started hanging out because, uh, and I. I think I initially was helping him with some video stuff because he was doing like his movies, like Evil Ned Three. He he made the, the fucking greatest movies. You, you ever watch his movies? No, I didn't even know oh, he yeah. was like a quote unquote funny dude until he was on Howard Stern. I didn't. I had no idea about any of that. I just knew he was the sick ass I mean, drummer he, from Sound of Perseverance. Yeah, dude. In he he worked real hard to get on. I mean, he was a devoted fan, man. He would record the whole show like on a on a VCR tape and then bounce those parts down to a regular tape like every day. So he basically learned your punishing punishment skills. <laughs> yeah, but no, we we became we became friends. I'm, I'm making the story real long. Let's just say we okay. became friends after after hanging out or whatever. Then I wound up recording his band's demo Burning Inside and Control denied like it was cool Chuck came over here a couple of times to to practice with Richard for whatever the last album that was going on. And I, I don't know what happened on the last album, whether they went and recorded or not. I, it, it's it so long ago, but it was, you know, it was during that, that, that whole period where there was going to be like a new control denied album. Mm -hmm. But, you know, uh, and then Richard had moved in with me by then. So he was living with me. And at that time he was, I don't know if he was an iced earth yet, but he was playing with, I think he did a tour with Incantation, and he did a Demons and Wizards tour, and he was uh, he was just a fucking funny dude, man. So, and then he went went on, on Howard, and then he was just like, "That was it." Yeah, it's a game. It's a it's an act, it's a game changer, and it's a, it's so that weird. Is a, that is a definite game changer. Well, no, I'm just saying it's crazy because he was elite. Like he was one of the top metal drummers, and I and I know in in that world, even if you're one of the best technical metal drummers more often than not you're not you know getting rich off that you're just basically working you know you're just lucky enough to kind of be working and out there um, yeah and it's you just never i mean how often does that happen that someone is that amazing at this one thing and then all of a sudden kind of is finds this whole other career path that takes them you know to a whole other level of kind of notoriety and and he's a natural at that stuff too, you know what I'm saying? He just just naturally the people loved him, you know? So but was it was it the thing that he just He won stuttering John's job. Yeah. <laughs> which which is what? The man on the street vibe? <laughs> is that where That's, is he didn't where did he go? He was like Jay Leno's announcer for a while, right? Uh, dude, I literally probably stopped listening to Howard Stern, you know, when he went off you know, the Serious. terrestrial rate. No, before, yeah, like, I mean, but probably when I was still working, you know, a nine to five and you would listen to him, you know, in the morning. Um, Did you ever watch the show he had on E? Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I remember watching the show. I, me- I, I remember I got hooked up with one of the, I got to go to the pre- the premiere for Private Parts, and and Howard Stern was there. It was like in New York. It was it was sick. I mean, it was like you know, however many thousands of people in the damn theater. It was a huge, huge theater. But um, you know, so I was I was really. I, re- I remember he was he would do all those like pay per view events. We'd have like mud wrestling. Yeah, he did. Has he had the New Year's event? He had Lor- John and Lorraine Bobbitt on it. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was nuts, you know, um, but, but no, I'm just the channel nine show, but I'm, I'm really fascinated with people who are musicians that, you know, they're really good at one thing. And next thing you know, they, they get a new career path, you know, cause you know, that's it, for me, that's always inspirational because sometimes even when I'm in a band and things are going well, I'm always like, is there anything more? Is this what I'm going to be doing forever? And, and I'm, I'm interested in different things. So it's always like very cool when I see that. Yeah, I I feel like there's a, I don't know who, I couldn't give you names because I can't think of who off the bat, but like the dudes who are like doing like merch companies, like they're in a band and now they're doing merch companies type type of vibe. Yeah. That's your dream? I don't know who, but I feel like That's your dream? No, I'm saying, yes. (laughs) Yeah, I've been working on this t-shirt idea for people who can't walk good at all. They can't walk good or well. I call it the leg shirt, dude. It's ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's no good but but anyway so i i imagine you know this is more, me more projection not knowing particularly because i'm like you know un, unlike you i never punish uh richard uh but he would come he would actually come into duff's the bar i worked at in new york all the time um and we, we would get to we would get to talk and stuff but um uh i imagine just he's doing one thing now with the comedy and the show and that takes up a lot of kind of bandwidth but obviously he still had a creative itch and a performing itch and, you know, wanted to do some new music and somehow you get involved with that. How did, how did he approach that whole situation? Richard, basically he comes, he came to me. He's like, I, you know, he, he writes like all the songs. He'll like come to me with all the songs. He plays all the guitar and everything. And then, you know, I'll replay, I'll replay some, I'll keep some of his ideas and I'll replay some of his ideas. Yeah. And then he, and then he plays all the drums. He basically has the whole album ready to go. And he gives it to me. And then we, I do like, I basically just re, replay how I feel the song. And if there's anything I don't like, I, I send it to him. I'm like, what do you think? And he, oh, I love it. That rules. <laughs> and it's like, all right, good. Richard's, he, it's, it's, you know. Do you, um, do you write solos for every song? Mm-hmm. It's always like. <laughs> when I finish all the rhythms, it's like fuck. Now I got it because I don't ever write solos. You just... I've like never. I haven't written many solos before. It was time to do the solo. Yeah, but that's not. I, I feel like that's what all the kids these days do. Like the, everyone's just out there fucking shredding solos over nothing. Yeah, I mean, it's sick. Yeah, but I, I just, think the way you do it is is pretty much because of you're a producer. It's like the way you you would do it is how I do it now. It's basically since I record myself. It's the only way I know how. You know what I'm saying? You got to just dive in. And when it's over, it's over. And sometimes you wind up shifting parts. You know, it's like, oh, shit. You get to the end of, like, your first half. And you're like, you know what? Now that I think about it, this fucking first part should probably start right here. Now I got to go back to the beginning again and record the first half. This is the second half now. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've done that a million times. And, you know, but I'm saying when you kind of are – the writing and then the recording process is almost the same thing. You know, I think it kind of streamlines it, but back in the day, right. I would have to 
we'd book be studio. Ready. Yeah, you'd have to. So you'd have to quote unquote write it to a certain degree, so that when you actually was time, hey, it's time to do solos. You're ready, and it's and it's about nailing. And, and for me, it'd always be like I'd have eighty percent of everything more or less ready to go, and then I'd wing it a certain amount of it. You know. Yeah, like it's, as long as you have an idea, or even if you don't, I, honestly, I like to go in fresh. Plus, I've already tracked the rhythm there, and I'm always like, kind of thinking, I hope that this, even though I know it might be horrible, like I hope this isn't a horrible thing to solo. Oh, whatever, we'll find out when I get there. And I, I get there, and it's like, it's always like a two hour ordeal. I feel like it's always like a somewhere between two and four hours. So let's just say an hour and a half to three hours most of the time. To do one on solo. Long. Yeah, and and that's. That's if it's a moderate. I'm talking like 20 to 30 seconds. Like yeah. not none of these fucking long. I can't deal with doing a long. So like if I anyone gives me a solo that's over 30 seconds, I'm fucking sad because it's like <laughs> fuck. I don't know what the hell to do after 30 seconds. That's all all my abilities are right in 30 seconds. Yeah, well, it's a certain kind of band. I, that's you know I'm just I'm you know exaggerating, but. Yeah. You well, know. it's also well to me. Anything gets past that length, it's cool to have, you know, two lead guitar players, so you can kind of trade off. Yeah, and- I, I don't like hearing a solo for more than that. But you know what? I feel like I'm lying because Rust in Peace is the best album ever, and fucking the solos on that, I feel like go on forever sometimes in a terrific way. Well, definitely, but it's usually Marty, a Marty and Dave back and forth. Yeah. Well, Hangar 18 definitely feels like it goes. It is like four. More passes but than it needs to be. But they got the fucking riff. The riff. You know, it's, that separates the life. That's some groovy ass shit. Did you ever get to work with uh, Ripper Owens? Yeah. Yeah, Ripper's great. Dude, That he's probably, as far as singers go, fucking, he's just the person who can come in and you tell him fucking whatever and they do whatever and he has ideas and it's just fun. Just a fun dude to work with. So, did he write the the vocals and lyrics, or did Richard do all that too? Richard actually he he sends us kind of like his idea, like he, it's just like him singing over it, and it's fucking. <laughs> so yeah, somewhere you're not going to find it. It's not on the internet. I'm not putting it there. Listen, we've all we've all been there. I have terrible scratch vocals. I mean, really terrible, but it's all right. It's part of the it's part of the game. Yeah, dude, scratch vocals are sick. You know, <laughs> or no vocals. Do we even need vocals? I mean, they're they're just in the way of sick riffs. <laughs> well, it depends on the. Band. I'm a I'm a riff man, dude. I'm yeah. a, I, I you know it's all about the angry sick riffs, but not not just for the the sake of playing riffs. It's okay to fucking just be sick for a second and not have a sick riff. Just be a sick dude. Yeah. <laughs> you know? There's a difference. It's okay to fucking not play the sickest riff ever. But, you know, well, see, see, that sounds like you're ready to, to do like the the solo album, you know, just, and you know, no, call it the sickest. No, I, what, dude. Would I, what would I tend to? Everyone, it's like, who is the sickest dude? There's like three sickest dudes on guitar. See, I know what you tune to. You just do the seven string and B standard, like just kick no. it old school. No, I. Well, yeah, I wouldn't mind doing that. Would you Nevermore style go down a half step? Is that what they did? Were they yeah, with a, a with a seven string? Yeah, flat, a sharp. A. I don't know notes, dude. You know notes. Notes, don't, notes, notes are shot. <laughs> Whatever. I don't know. I don't know theory very good. Like when people shout notes at me, I feel like the dumbest person ever because maybe they're right. <laughs> <laughs> maybe they're not, dude. I well, just know the tone. It you know sometimes uh, it's it's good for communicating. You know, I've, I've had my periods where I've I've boned up on on theory, but um. You know, 
One of the other things I wanted to kind of talk about was, uh, you know, just, Stevie D, Steve DiGiorgio, dude. Oh yeah, he oh he plays bass on it. Damn, so it's just like yeah, a dude, street of all star band. It's 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 kind of what honestly, it's like it's pretty fantasy. Like you know what I'm saying? Because you know, growing up, fucking Human was like my favorite album ever, and fucking you know, anything in, involved with death is my favorite thing ever. And it's it's just kind of like a thing that I never thought I would ever be involved with. So I'm definitely super grateful for being part of something like that and yeah. still am it's not it's not over or anything i'm just saying like it's one of those projects that'll it's there yeah it'll be there and it's like it's it's probably just cool for you to work those muscles you know and and yeah you know. dude and I, i'm just happy to be friends with all those dudes too man it, i being friends with everyone is, is such an important part of it i think you know yeah yeah i mean you're you've always been that way where you kind of the the personal element I think, you know, for you, it kind of outweighs almost everything in a lot of ways. I got to be everybody's best friend. Except, you know, except for getting that paper. He got to get, you know, bitch better yeah, have dude. his money. You got, dude, you got to, dude. Yeah, well, I mean, it's hard being in Florida, you know? Dude, it's fucking so hot here, dude. It's 99% humidity. It's sick. Yeah, that shit's no no joke. The, uh, the, the, sky, the sky cries. Um you know, but one of the things I wanted to talk to you about is just um, kind of just how the industry has changed and how uh-huh. your profession has changed, you know, in the last, you know, maybe 10 years or so, um, you know, because obviously you you come to the whole production thing with a kind of musical taste uh-huh. and, and, and thing that kind of would attract certain kinds of bands. But as you've seen, like the whole scene kind of changed. Right, like it was this kind of metalcore, new wave American heavy metal thing, and then all of a sudden, you know, actually, you know, you're you're working with a lot of you know deathcore bands and things like that, and really techy kind of. I feel like tech is big or something now, but I mean, like it is. not the, but but not the same type of tech that was the tech back in the it, like it's ve- it's more tech like yeah. in a different way, and there's a lot of this clean sh- clean tech happy shred <laughs> shut up stop it it's not mean <laughs> well it's i mean i think there's a level of diversity you talking about like bands like polyphia and things like that like i guess so if they don't play on the bridge pickup then yes <laughs> anyone who doesn't use the bridge pickup regularly how about that <laughs> hey man they're, they're, they're keeping it uh fusiony you know and that's and, fine. And saucy. i just can't deal as a as a producer, I back it. As a producer and someone who I, I would definitely want to work with someone as that. As an elitist metal fan who only listens to four bands, it's fucking shot. <laughs> yeah, but you so you were the guy that, you know, because I guess you mixed what was it, uh Born of Osiris, The Discovery? Was it that yeah. album? And you were just mm-hmm. like, yo, this is the next guitar I it was, craziness. I I thought it was super sick because I mixed the whole thing without keyboards because they never sent me the keyboards. And I thought it was so sick. It was the sickest album ever without keyboards. And then I got the keyboards and I was all sad. <laughs> <laughs> keyboards always make me sad. It's did, like, oh, man. Did you tell them that? Yeah, the whole time. I, they, it's no secret. Well, I, I, Whatever, dude. I always think it's like, what's the easiest way to make metal less sick? Oh, just throw some keyboards on it. dude. You don't, like, you don't like demo board gear or anything like that? What? You don't like demo? That's different. 
and I, I'm not huge into Dimu, but like that, that's all you know what I'm saying. They're black metal, dude. They can do whatever the hell they want. They're charging a bottom. You like that shit? I love that shit. Yeah, that's kind of like, you know, that's like fucking neoclassical. But that's not my. I really liked Hatebringer. That like I haven't really listened to like anything in a while. But I know that when Hatebringer was out, I was way into it. Yeah. Um, Hate breeder. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I don't. I don't know, dude. I'm like lyric. Like lyrics. I don't know lyrics. Like lyrics are the least. I'm not good with lyrics. You know. That's. But I can only tell when words are annoyingly stupid. Like <laughs> as soon as that happens, that's when I say something. I can help with like making the words fit so that the same thing that you were saying works in that place. I'm not trying to change lyrics. You know. Did you and Heavy get an argument when when he was like he's like yeah so I got the song it's called Entrance of the Conflagration you're like nigga what the fuck is it? conflag what who who did what dude, to some, who dude, dude sometimes you have to conflagrate everything dude just yeah dude yeah dude I don't you do, you were just like you know what go for it buddy <laughs> I believe yeah dude that's a sick the, song by the way you know like. That album, I feel like, would have been so sick with just less clean vocals. Because there's so many sick riffs. There's, like, sick riffs all over that album. I think that record's just good in general. Like, I, Wait, I don't it's really... not the song that goes... No, that's Detonation, huh? No, so it's like... It's a fucking... Yo, it's a banging track, man. There's tons of banging tracks on that album. And I don't think, yeah. and at no point, like, the, I just think the types of songs they wrote, it's not like this demand screaming to me. Like I said, the only song I, I wasn't really, this, like, the more 80s kind of, like, anthem, that track, and then they had one kind of. Uh, I'm very, I'm, like, really super choosy with, like, who I listen to with clean vocals. Like, I can't really deal with power metal. I really liked Demons and Wizards. I don't really like Blind Guardian. It's yeah, the a, same dude, if that tells you anything. I don't. I'm just weird, you know what I'm saying? And Blind yeah. Guardian's great. I just, I feel like somehow the Demons and Wizards stuff was, it was like more, I don't know, it was easier for me to digest. But this was also back in 2000, so what the fuck do I know about, I don't know. I, You know, power metal and as far as fucking metal, like, I don't know, it's, it's just hard to make me super excited unless it's like something that's really super well written, you know what I'm saying? Like, this, some stuff I real like. I really, really, really enjoyed the Necrogoblicon stuff because it's kind of like, it's like Danny Elfman mixed with like, it's like metal meets Danny Elfman at the Mister Bunkle show. <laughs> yes, I have to like. I've seen them, and I'm friends with some of those guys. I have to like listen to which which record you do the record recently. I did the last uh, uh, Welcome to Bonkers. It was called. All right, I gotta, I gotta give that a good. It's a good album, man. And I'll be real. I never heard. I never really listened to them before. I got asked to do the album, and I wouldn't have known otherwise because I'm a shot dude. But fucking, I'm glad I did because they're, you know, sometimes fucking shit's super, super sick. You know. Yeah, and you you've gotten to work with uh, Death Angel a lot over the last Death, and I, Death Angel super sick they're one of the originals you know they fucking everything that they do at least i feel like i feel like it's coming from like a like back in the 90s yeah. in a good way you know what i'm saying yeah but it's not, I like to me when they started working with you um because we toured with them right 
before they worked with you. And I thought that album was cool, but I think they did that with Nick Nick Raskolins, maybe? Um, I can't yeah, remember. the first album I did for them was in uh, 2010. Yeah, but I think it was uh, a like, big turning point for their career because it. I think there's something about having a more classic sound and then having that put through the filter of a modern sound um, that really kind of, I think, made them feel like when I listen to their current music, I don't listen to it and think, oh, this is a throwback. Oh, this is old. It just sounds like metal to me. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's how I feel. It's 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 easy and fun to listen to for me. You know what I'm saying? I'm not like analyzing real hard the whole time. You know what I'm saying? By the, by the way, I, and I have to say, like, I think I was, th- I was thinking about this recently, how Mark, the guitar player, is basically the most underrated dude out there. Like, he's so tight. Rob? Rob, Mark. I'm getting the name. Fucking screwing the damn names Mark's up. Just Mark, Mark the singer. Mark Singer. I'm, I'm, he's, been dating my, he's been dating my sister for five years. Not five years. How many years? Two years? It's been enough time. See? Now Rob's going to listen to this and, and punch me in the face. You think I'm fucking Mark? Anyway, anyway, listen. Enough people have confused me and my brother's name that I I'm uh, owed payback. But um, anyway, I'm also very hungover, so you know. Damn, dude, you made it, dude. I was gonna, I haven't slept really. Listen, I was gonna be a shot, dude, too. But I was like, you know what, dude? Fuck that. They call me We're- Schedule Coil. All right, because I still show up. Scoil. That's right. Uh, <laughs> but oh, Rob Cavasani, excuse me. Uh, one of the most underrated players i think out there man as a lead player he's fucking amazing his rhythm chops and his tone is fucking unbelievable yeah dude he's super fucking sick and he's fucking he's got that fucking right hand dude right hand and he's one of those motherfuckers that like doesn't age which makes me mad you know he's 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 part of the philippine time machine the philippine time machine squad yeah they they're just never aging i'm very jealous Yes, yes, we can. We sit there and and and, and be jealous of of him. Um, but yeah, you you actually, I was looking at your your credits, and I, I I don't think I realized that you did a drowning pool record. Yeah, 2015. How Good did time, that come dude. about? They just called me and asked me if I wanted to do an album with them, and I said yes. And what like I mean, was it just you know kind of sonically and creatively? Was it? Just left field was it? Was it refreshing to do something like just different than something? I had, a, I had a fun time, man. Fucking, it was fun to do something that was guaranteed no blast beats. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It was just a fun, heavy album. You know what I'm saying? They they wanted to do a heavier album, so they came to me. Not good times. And they they're a new singer, man. He, he has like, I, I believe he's the singer now. Um, but he had like a real, real sick voice. Reminded me like. He had like that scree- he could get like that screamy mashuga type thing going. Yeah. You know? I mean, I never listened to anything that was on the radio ever. So the cool thing about me is like I never like even back in like the nineties and two thousand, I never heard any new metal really. Obviously I've heard the song Bodies. You know what I'm saying? But like, you know, I never I never listened to those bands. I was metal elitist boy. Yeah, but you know you know hooks. You know, yeah. I mean, that's the thing is a lot of like I look at, uh, you know, what you've done with, with Trivium or the stuff that you've done with us or you know, even like um, not even even. I mean, I think the like the all that remains record you did to me, I I just the hooks are so undeniable 
you know, and so that to me, that's a common language, whether it's Iron Maiden, Cannibal Corpse or Drowning Pool, it's still you want you want hooks, you want stuff that you can grasp onto and that's memorable. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, I think that's part of what tech, the tech stuff is missing. Well, Maybe. but that's, I mean, that to me, that's something you have to always keep in mind in the bands that uh, sustain careers. I think keep mm-hmm. that in mind. Even like the really heavy, you know, band like you know, White Chapel, who's as heavy as, as anyone, still knows like, like they are stuff, you know, they, they like just because it's extreme doesn't mean you can't you you don't need to have your hit songs and your parts that everyone can vibe with and know the words to and have a iconic riff and all that stuff. You know, I think that's I don't care how extreme it is. You have to have that stuff or else what are we glomming onto? What are we connecting to outside of its extremity? I don't know. I mean, you know, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't with any band. Um, for, like for me, like I checked out on, on Megadeth after Countdown to Extinction. Why? I don't know. Because I was 12 or 13 then and that's how I felt. Euthanasia? And underrated? It's the most underrated there, album. I know there's great solos on that album. And I'm sure there's great there's lots great of songs. Stuff there's tons of great songs on that album. And I, then Cryptic Writings is fucking amazing too. I, I know there's great solos on a bunch of those albums. I just, for whatever reason, I just, at that age, I wasn't allowing myself to, to, to go further after that album. It just didn't have the same. Yeah, well, bands you know, even it, Countdown was, was, was great. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, you, like for them, that was, I just remember, like, if they got, if they sold a million copies, they were going to go skydiving and it was a big thing on Headbangers Ball. I remember. Do you remember? Do you remember all that? Vaguely, yeah. But I, I didn't remember. So they—that was the whole thing. If if they went platinum, they would go skydiving. Yeah, at least that's how I remember it. I, dude, I watched Headbangers Ball every week. It was. I was. Me too. Dude, I was obsessed. It was Megadeth, and I was part of the whole. It's like, yeah, Megadeth's better than Metallica, and yada yada yada. And let's argue. <laughs> are you? Are you? Do you, you fall firmly on the Megadeth? bandwagon of that, that, that oh, yeah. side of it the argument yeah. okay as far as if we're gonna be real and not like talk about like who sells more and who how no, we, we're just talking about personal like, reference i'm just talking about who's better musicians and, and who's who writes as far as who puts out a more solid tighter sounding out i love you can't say that because i guess how what the fuck do i know dude i'm just a megadeth guy but i still love metallica like, there's no denying that fucking Master of Puppets and fucking, especially, dude, Justice for All is my favorite album from them. It's crazy, man. I, I just had to do this cover of uh, Shortest Straw. And that's, it's. That, all those songs are sick. Yeah, they're. The, the amount of detail and, and technical yeah. proficiency is. And just the. How the songs are arranged, it's, it's pretty you know, mind blowing. They're very long. And I, I'm surprised that I would. Because I don't really like, I can't deal with long songs. I just can't. Like, I need, I kind of check out these days at around four minutes, four, four to five minutes. ADD. Let's just say, let's say three minutes and 30 seconds. I'm fucking out of here, dude. But uh, <laughs> sometimes you got to go longer. And I can, you know, if there's a good reason why, as long as it doesn't feel like it's as long as the song is. Because if you're, uh, it's just, I don't like listen. I like a song that makes me want to listen to it again. Yeah. 
I, I want to, I don't like being totally, I don't want a song to satisfy me a hundred percent. I want to be like, fuck, I got to listen to that four more times immediately. You know, that, that seems to be a better thing to God damn it. I don't ever want to hear that song again because fucking it gave me everything. And now I hate myself. Well, I, I don't mind long songs as long as there's not 15 songs on the album, right? If you're like Opeth and there's like seven songs on the album or Master Puppets, there's what, eight songs. Um, I don't feel like looking for the cool riffs. Well, no, but no, but it's fucking Master Puppets. There's, you're not, the cool riffs are at every, every turn. Or if you listen to an Opeth record, it's, they got the riffs. So I'm just, to me, it's just, as long as there's not, 10 minute long songs and there's 15 songs on the album. Do you know what I'm saying? So as long as yeah. it's still a condensed, cause sometimes I think when you have less songs on the album, the songs mean more because there's less of them. So you pay attention to each one more. I think, I think I, I well, that that's probably true. I, I agree with that. I agree with shorter. I agree with not having to have a certain number of like, like it has, we have to have 12 songs on this album and it's like, okay, why uh, do we really need we didn't really need those last three songs or or seven <laughs> but whatever you know but that's i you know back i feel like there are more albums you could rock all the way through back in the day but the shorter the albums it's true you, it's like you don't get caught up in and fucking getting lost in the fact that there's maybe four good songs out of the 12 you know yeah um but just uh, kind of to go back to what we were talking about before a little bit more in terms of how, you know, the industry is changing. I mean, where do you see kind of everything going? Do you, you know, with you, are you someone who, you know, because in, in your kind of career, is it something where you're looking for work or are people reaching out to you? Like, I mean, is that something like you get worried about? Depends on what time of the year it is. Sometimes. Sometimes it's like I have nothing, and yeah. then it's like fucking, you know, I'm I'm looking, and then all of a sudden, I'll have to, whoa, all of a sudden I'll have too much, and I'll be anxious as fuck because I'll be like fuck. Uh, well, it's a good problem, you know what I'm saying? So it's like you go from being scared to having too much like that sometimes, you know. It, but it is what it is, you know. Well, it's just you know, I was talking to you know I had Mark on the show, uh, Mark Lewis, and uh, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, man. I'll tell you about that goddamn tone. <laughs> he actually, yep, I, I have to call him back. Um, but he was just talking about how you know how more how it's gotten more difficult because you know budgets from labels is smaller. More bands are recording on their own and kind of yeah, that's that yeah, all of that's so, a problem. So it's so you know, and he's he, he's just had friends who have who were producers, and now they're like you know they're like a carpenter or something they just had to kind of give it up um and it, and it can happen kind of quickly especially if you ran out of studio and it's not like your home that you've converted into a studio or, or so, something like that um right i mean is that something you think about or worry about as far as like the future of, of your career yeah i'm always worried fucking what if fucking one day it's fucking over you know you yeah. never know uh what are you gonna do uh Maybe I'll fucking. You saving for a rainy day, or you like? Do you have like a? Hey, if I wasn't doing this, I would do blank or. No, I'm definitely not loaded. <laughs> but uh, you know, if, it would be nice to be. I definitely can't just stop working and be all right forever. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I don't know what I would do. I would probably 
try to write some music or try to get into just writing music for somebody. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but you could, that you that could literally, happen. I think you could be, like, your abilities, you could be, like, a Devin Townsend type, you know, who just does really weird, crazy, funny, sick albums. And you could, you know, and if you were really, you know, started to develop the kind of promotional side of it, marketing side of it, you could probably do some, you know, if you get that thing going and build up your personality and things like that, I think you could probably do really well. But, you know, that's a whole other thing. You know? Yeah, I feel like that would take me having to dedicate 100% of my time into, like, writing. I know, and but we're under this scenario, we're presuming you have no work. <laughs> let's not let's not do that. Cause I, I do, I'm literally preparing for stuff literally right now. So I, at this very moment, I don't have no work. Which yeah. I'm very, very, very grateful for. What do you and, have coming uh, out? When are you coming out, dude? No, no, me. Yeah. Oh, I, no, I, I didn't hear what you said. No, I, so I, what? I, what? Uh, what projects do you have coming up? I'm working right now on uh, a Necrogoblicon uh, thing. I'm mixing a thing. I can't say what it is because that would ruin all the fun. Gotcha. Um, and then. Uh, I'm actually going to be working on my friend's solo album. Uh, her name is Alyssa Day. She's in that band Mindscar. I don't know if you saw that that song that I posted a bunch of weeks ago. No, I got to check it out. Uh, yeah, real real good band from here. Um, actually, dude, Richie, uh, he introduced me to Matt Heafy like years ago. Actually, I, I don't remember if he introduced me to Matt's dad. Either way. Richie was, I knew Richie first, uh, and he introduced me to fucking Matt and all them. But it's a, I actually really like the demo, man. It's actually, it's very, I'm not going to say like it's a, it's just good metal towards the side of, it has tech elements, but it's not like trying to be like, we're a tech band. You know what I'm saying? I'll send you stuff. I'm going to send you it. But we're never going to, there's never going to be any more crotch duster. You never know, dude. I'd be lying if I said yes, and I'd be lying if I said no. Depends on how funny I'm feeling, dude. Maybe I'm. So you know know what you should do? I should be sick. I do know what I should do. Is if you like re-recorded the old album, but not like the comedy bits, no, just like the music, so it sounded like sicker. No, I'm not about remixing. Remixing. I don't know, dude. I don't want to remix something that I already remixed once. Is that (laughs) out? Is it like out on anything? Can it's people... probably it's probably on it's on Spotify. But what uh, what, it was on a label though, right? I or... think it was on. It's probably on Earache because it was on Willow Tip, and but it's on Spotify. So whatever it says on Spotify, I would imagine it says the label on there. I don't fucking know. I'm I'm a fucking shot dude, dude. No, I'm you're just not. A dude. You're not a shot uh, dude. I'm just a dude pretending to be a dude that's surrounded by other dudes. Here's here's the thing. If if um, you know, shot dudes do not have all the skills. And resumes and accomplishments you have. So that is the opposite of shotness. You know what I don't think I've taken advantage of? Because like I feel like if I knew everyone that I knew back when I was like really just writing stuff and doing tech stuff, like I don't know. Maybe I'll write something, just do like one off songs here and there. Yeah, I mean was not- here's the thing. You know what you should do shit for? Because it's fun. I'm saying that's like the main reason. Like, do it's like, does Richard Christie need to put out Wall, Wall, Charred Walls of the Dead no, records? He, no, he, he loves everything he does. But man. that's what I'm saying. Like, it's it's about 
you know, doing something for the sake of doing it because you enjoy it. If it's not enjoyable, if it's like work and it's like, ugh, I have to go make this song. What's the fucking point in that, right? But Jason, I love you, brother. I really uh, appreciate you uh, taking the time to to be a guest on the show. You're definitely someone I've been wanting to get on here for a while because I think, like I said, people know of you or maybe seen you certain things, but uh, you know, you've been so instrumental to my career and the, the careers of so many of my peers, you know, that, you know, it's, I think anytime I can get like the spotlight on someone like you, I think it's really awesome. Oh, thank you. dude. I fucking love you, dude. I feel like, uh, I'm glad that we, we've, we've been through these past years fucking, and we've made it where we have. It's a fucking crazy, it's a crazy fucking journey. And it's weird to even be allowed to be in this industry. I'm, you know? I'm, I, I feel the same way because like you, you know, I started out being a fan, but I'm never not a fan. Like, I'm always, it's like, hey, man, the, the fact that, like, you know, I know, you know, I can call Rob Flynn from Machine Head on the phone or I can, you know, play with these people and, like, my heroes in, in bands and stuff like that is is very uh For real. Yeah, I, I never, and I never want to lose that that element of being. Nostalgic. Uh, well, just appreciative of, like, I, like I'm not supposed to be here. You know, somehow yeah, I tricked I, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> that's how it feels it, it feels a lot like like is this even is this even real life <laughs> i know sometimes it, it is what it is dude fucking it's it's just weird life dude hell yeah all right man you take care you have a good day and i'll talk to you soon all right brother i love you man love take you care too. peace all right. peace <laughs> Sure.
So that song was entitled Icons of Malice, and it's by Caffarnum or Caffarnum, however the hell you say the name of the damn band, Jason's tech death metal band. Uh, the album is called Fractured, and Matt Heafy from Trivium sang most of the vocals or most of the songs on the album, but Jason did vocals on the album. And as you can see, he can kind of do everything that talented bastard. I know, you know I'm kissing his ass a lot, but he deserves it. He really does. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. You know, we co- covered a lot of ground. Got to hear his, his Mark Lewis impression, which is, you know, epic. His Richard Christie impression. He does a lot of impressions. Like, he does a good Danzig. He does a good John Tardy from Obituary. I'm trying to think if I can think of any, any, any others. But he kicks ass and all that shredding guitar. Like, I listened to that. Like, that, he, you know, he did that record, I don't know, 15 years ago. And it sounds just as fresh now as it did back then. And, uh, you know, it's a shame. I feel like that most more people haven't heard it. So if I can enlighten a few people, like I said, some of that stuff, I don't even know where it's available. And just so the Caffarnum, the way it's spelled, it's C-A-P-H-A-R-N-A-U-M. So if you want to find it out there, I found that on the YouTubes. But that album is uh, it's it's pure fire. Anyway, guys. I don't. Do I have anything to talk about besides this? I I, I don't know. I have, I have a, like I said, a bunch of shows I did, I'm working on some cover songs. You know, as you, as you guys know, always in the studio, baby, cranking them out. Definitely planning more interviews. I'm trying to think. And I think that's it. I'm pretty shot, guys. I I, I literally fl- flew in today, and I need to clean myself. You know, I can smell my upper lip, and it's not sexy. It's not baller. It's not mamba status. All right, y'all. Mamba out. Peace. Hey, this is Steve Choi, host of the Musicians Guild podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Within the four walls of the Musicians Guild, we'll be discussing the habits, idiosyncrasies, experiences, and general psychology of my friends and peers, all involved with music in various capacities. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.